awesome and holy God, thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for your creation, your glory, your scheme of redemption that was executed by your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word that has been revealed to us through your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you will bless these new studies that we are about to engage in, studies about the parables of Jesus. Help us, Father, get good understanding of these parables, see the richness and the power of these parables, appreciate who used these parables, your son, and, and most importantly, be able to draw practical lessons from them that can help us be the kind of kingdom citizens you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, dear friends. Thank you for tuning in to another Bible class video. It is always a privilege and an honor and a just a, a joy, a blessing to be able to teach the Bible, especially to people who, who want to hear what the Bible has to say. So thank you for watching. Thank you for studying with me this morning in these studies. Here at the Monta Vista Church of Christ in Phoenix, Arizona, we're going to begin a new Bible study journey together. In keeping with our annual theme of experiencing the fullness of Christ, over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying the parables of Jesus. We're going to study the parables of Jesus. You know, one of the main teaching techniques that the Lord Jesus used throughout his three-year ministry was parables. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught a lot of parables. He used a lot of parables while he was here on this earth. He taught parables to his apostles. He taught parables to regular and ordinary disciples. He even taught parables to his enemies, to those who despised him. The main teaching technique that Jesus used in his ministry while he was on this earth was parables. Jesus used parables all throughout the gospel and so throughout the month of September and maybe even at the beginning of October some, we're going to be, we're going to be studying the parables of Jesus. We're going to be considering several of the parables that Jesus used throughout the gospels. And let's just begin with our first lesson and let's consider just a lesson about parables. Let's ask and answer some very important questions about parables. Questions like, what are parables? What, what, what are parables? I had a, a young person, a young teenager, ask me that question a few weeks ago. What are parables? I think that's a great, a great question. What exactly is this teaching technique that Jesus used over and over again, and why is this technique why are parables found not just in the ministry of Jesus, but all throughout the Bible? What are parables and why are they used not just by Jesus, but by several teachers of God's will in the scripture? Let's begin by first putting some, some important facts on the slide. And I want you to understand that there are questions for you to to, to print out if you desire that can uh, help you better retain a lot of this information. 
that we're going to be going through over, over the next few minutes. In regards to what exactly are parables, let's begin by first pointing out that parables or a parable is a teaching technique that was common in ancient times. This was something that the people, especially of Jesus' day, would have been very familiar with. It was a common teaching technique. Now, when Jesus taught in parables 2,000 years ago, he was imploring a technique that was common to, to his first century audience. Many of those who heard Jesus teach, many of the Jews who heard Jesus teach in person, they were illiterate. They did not know how to read, and they did not know how to write. Illiteracy was, a, was common in, the, in ancient times, and so storytelling... And that's what parables, the technique of parables really, really was. It was storytelling. And storytelling made the spiritual lessons of Christ understandable and real for the audience. Now, as far as what exactly a parable is, a parable can be defined in a few different ways. First, for you school teachers out there who may be familiar with this, a parable is a simile. It is an extended simile. Another way we could say that is a parable is a parallel story. Parables are stories, earthly stories, that are used by Jesus to teach spiritual lessons. Earthly stories that are used to teach spiritual lessons. The Lord typically chose things which the, which, with which the people were familiar, and he used those things or he used those examples or illustrations to teach spiritual lessons. You see, God, the one who knows all things, the creator, the redeemer, the, redeemer, the sustainer, the one who knows us as humans better than we knew our, know ourselves, he understood the human need to visualize his truth. This is why he sent Jesus to live and teach among men. It is why Jesus constantly taught in parables. It's another reason why many preachers use PowerPoint when they preach the gospel. Humans, and this has been proven even in various studies today, that humans learn better when they're able to hear, see, and write. When they're able to hear the information, see the information, and even be able to write down the information. Those three techniques are some of the best ways in which human beings learn to be able to hear, visualize, and write things down. Jesus used parables because he as God understood the human need to visualize information. It's why he lived the example of God's word is why he taught the word of God by using parables. The parables would have been able to help his audience visualize the truth. Now, in the Gospels, and this fact right here, it kind of varies to various degrees depending on what sources you read. But most scholars suggest that Jesus, depending on how you qualify them and what you consider to be a parable, Jesus used at least... 40 parables in his ministry. Some say there are about 30, some say 50, so we're going to meet in the middle. We'll say that, that most scholars agree that Jesus used around 40 parables in his ministry. 
Now, we're not going to be able to study all 40 of the parables of Jesus. We're probably going to be able to study at the most eight or nine. Okay? But the themes of the parables, the themes of the parable, they, they go all over the place. Jesus teaches parables about money. About 11 or 12 of Jesus' parables are about money. They are about stewardship. They're about being good stewards with the blessings God gives us in this life. Jesus taught a lot about money in his ministry. He used his parables to teach lessons about stewardship. He also used parables to teach about the kingdom of God. In fact, he taught more about the kingdom of God with his parables than any other subject. He used the parables to talk about the rule of God. The authority of God in the kingdom or the church that he would establish through his, through his redemptive work. Some of the parables also deal with the topic of forgiveness. They tell us about the need to forgive one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And also they teach about the forgiveness of God and how just vast and deep and wonderful the forgiveness of God is. Many of Jesus' parables also deal with the subject of the judgment. Some deal with the final judgment when he comes again with his holy angels and he judges all nations. But the majority of the parables that deal with judgment talk about the judgment of God upon the Jewish people. Many of the parables that Jesus taught that deal with judgment are illustrations that talk about the judgment of God that would take place upon the Jewish people in 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed, when God used the Romans to destroy the temple, to destroy the priesthood, the sacrifice system, and to wipe them out as a nation. Many of Jesus' parables were parables of judgment, parables that deal with the judgment of God upon the nation of Israel because of her wickedness. Jesus also taught parables about prayer about the need to pray and why to pray and even how to pray. Now, someone may ask this question, why did Jesus use parables? Why did Jesus teach so often with, with parables? This was a question that the disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 13 and verse 10. In Matthew 13 and verse 10, the disciples came and said to Jesus, they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Even the apostles wanted to know, why did Jesus teach people so often in parables? And so in Matthew 13 and verse 11, Jesus answered them and said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Let's dive into that a little bit more. You see, with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11, Jesus is saying that through means of parables, some people would be able to understand his message and other people would not. You see, when Jesus taught people in parables, we need to understand that his disciples, they were able to understand the message. They will be able to understand the truth that Jesus was revealing from heaven about the kingdom of God, but at the same time, that truth would be hidden from his enemies. And so I guess another way we could say that is the parables 
were designed to both reveal and conceal. They were designed to reveal information to truth seekers, people like the apostles, while at the same time they concealed the truth from those who opposed Jesus. Someone may ask, well, Sean, didn't Jesus want everybody to understand the truth? Didn't Jesus want everybody to understand his, his messages? Well, of course he did. Of course Jesus wants everybody to understand the truth. Of course Jesus wants everyone to know the truth about the kingdom of God. But don't forget about the hearts of his enemies. Don't forget about how for three years... The enemies of Jesus, many of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the Herodians, they were determined to kill him. They were determined to do away with him, and the more they understood about his teaching, the sooner they would have tried to kill him. You see, God the Father has his son on a very specific timetable. He has to go to Calvary at a very specific time. Time And so Jesus used the parables to reveal the truth to his people while at the same time concealing it from those who had hard hearts. Jesus knew that the more his enemies understood about his message and what he was teaching about the nature of his kingdom, the sooner they would have tried to kill him and the will of God would not have been able to be accomplished. And so... It was not yet time for Jesus to die when you read Jesus explaining or telling many of these parables. The parables actually hid the message of Jesus from those who plotted to kill him. The message of the parables was hidden not because the enemies could not understand, but because they hardened their hearts against his word. Because they did not seek to understand, because they did not want to understand. Because they closed their ears to the truth and just disregarded everything he was trying to say. Jesus makes this point in Matthew 13, verses 13 through 16. And so I really want you to keep those things in mind as we go through the parables. Now, in addition to Jesus, in addition to the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to understand and point out that in the Old Testament you also find some of the prophets, some of the Old Testament prophets teaching with parables. Jesus was not the only one who used parables in his teaching. If you remember the famous story of David and Bathsheba, remember Nathan the prophet after David, after David had, had laid with Bathsheba after he committed sexual immorality with Uriah the Hittite's wife and even got her pregnant, Remember, in an effort to try to cover his sin, he had Uriah killed in battle. He had him put in the front line of the fiercest battle and then had the army draw away from him. He had Uriah killed in battle. He then married Bathsheba. He tried to move on with his life. But about a year later, God let David know that he knew about what he had done. He knew about his evil. And he let David know this by sending Nathan the prophet to him. Remember, Nathan the prophet came to David and he told a parable. He told a parable about a rich man who had many flocks and many herds, but he took a poor man's 
lamb. He took a poor man's little ewe lamb, a lamb that was like that was like a family member to him. This rich man who had much took this poor man's ewe lamb and he used it to prepare for guests, to feed guests that had come into his home. Now, when David heard that story, he was angry. He said the rich man deserved to die, but then Nathan, Nathan revealed to him that he represented the rich man. He was the man who had much. He was the man who had riches and glory and had many wives at that time, and yet he took Uriah the Hittite's wife Bathsheba and committed sexual immorality with her. David was, his evil was revealed through a parable. Nathan used a parable to expose David's sin and to let David know that God knew about what he had done and he was going to suffer some consequences for that. Nathan taught David through a parable. But that's not the only person who taught David through a parable. There's also the woman, the wise woman of Tekoa. She's mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 14. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, the wise woman of Tekoa persuaded David to make peace with his son Absalom through the use of a parable. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, he told a parable about a vineyard that did not thrive despite the fact that it was constantly being cared for. The, the meaning of that parable or the vineyard in that parable represented the nation of Israel. It represented the unfruitfulness and wickedness of Israel at this time. It represented how God constantly cared for them and loved them and nourished them. But despite that, they never produced fruit. They continued to be an unfaithful and wicked nation. Now, those are just some of the prophets. Some of the prophets in the Old Testament that taught people by means of a parable, but Again, no one told more parables than Jesus. No one told more parables than the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, the Bible says all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. And he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will utter my mouth, I will open, I'm sorry, my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. It was prophesied by the prophets in the Old Testament that the Messiah would teach people through parables. You go over to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 33 and 34. The Bible says, with many such parables, he, referring to Jesus, was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it, and he did not speak to them without a parable. But he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Jesus used a lot of parables while he was on the earth. This was something that the prophet said the Messiah was going to do. In fact, some of the most famous stories in the history of the world are found in Jesus' parables. We're going to study many of these parables over the next few weeks. There's going to be a class when we study the parable of the Good Samaritan.
one of the famous, most famous stories in the history of the world. It is a wonderful story, a wonderful parable that is designed to teach us about the need to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love people, to care for people. The Good Samaritan is a wonderful story, a wonderful parable that teaches the value and the need to love your neighbor. We're also going to study another, another famous story of Jesus, the prodigal son. A, a famous parable about the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of God, a story about how God is always willing to receive his people back whenever they're willing to humble themselves and repent and come back home to him. The parable of the prodigal son is a, is a wonderful parable about the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. It gives us hope no matter how deep in sin we may get. We're also going to study the parable of the sower. A parable that it is about the, you know, the, the power of the word of God and how everyone who has a heart is going to receive the word of God in one or four ways. We're going to study those four ways, actually, in our next video. The parable of the sower is a, sower is a powerful parable that shows us that when the word of God is planted in the hearts of, of people, they're going to respond differently. They're not going to always respond in the same way, but when the seed is planted, the power is in the seed, the power is in the word, but it's a person's choice as to how they're going to respond to God's word. We're also going to study the unmerciful servant. That is a wonderful parable that is about the forgiveness of God and how if we want God to forgive us, then we first got to be willing to forgive one another. We can't expect God to do something for us that we're not willing to do first for each other. And then towards the end of our studies, we're going to study the parable of the persistent widow. That's a parable about prayer and the need to constantly pray to God and never lose heart when it comes to asking God for blessings. Jesus' parables are some of the most famous stories in the history of the world. But as far as the main theme of the parables, we need to understand that, that the main theme of Jesus' parables is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. You see, many of the parables Jesus told were about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. This kingdom that Jesus speaks of would be a kingdom that he would establish. He would set this kingdom up through his redemptive work and he would be the king. He would be the Lord. He would be the chief person who has authority in this kingdom. Now, it is interesting how the Jews during the time of Jesus they were familiar with the fact that the Messiah was going to establish a kingdom. They were familiar with the prophecies of Daniel and the other prophecies that are found in the Old Testament that predict how the Messiah was going to establish a kingdom. The only problem was is they were looking for a physical kingdom. They were looking for the Messiah to come into the world and establish a physical kingdom. They wanted him to be a king like David, a great military leader, someone who would lead them to victory over their enemies. They were looking for the wrong thing. 
They miss the truth about the nature of the Messiah's kingdom. You see, Jesus, the true Messiah, when he came into the world, he didn't come to establish a, a physical kingdom. Instead, he came to establish a, 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 a spiritual kingdom. He came to establish a kingdom that would not be of this world. That's exactly what he told Pilate in the Gospel of John. Jesus tried to help the Jews understand the truth about the nature of the Messiah's kingdom. That's why he taught so much about the kingdom. You see, in his parables, he taught his disciples about the establishment and the growth of the kingdom. We're going to have a sermon about that in a few weeks. We're going to have a sermon in the month of September on Sunday morning about the growth of the kingdom and what Jesus taught about the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus also taught about the kind of people the citizens in the kingdom should be. They should be people who love the Lord, who serve as priests, who are willing to give God the glory that, that he deserves. You see, since the kingdom, the Messiah, Jesus was going to establish, would be a spiritual kingdom. And since that is what Jesus taught about over and over again throughout his ministry, we should not be surprised to learn that the parables he taught were designed to teach spiritual truth, not earthly truths. The enemies of Jesus, many of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Essenes, the scribes, they did not like the idea of a spiritual kingdom. They were not happy about Jesus' teaching about a spiritual kingdom. They wanted a physical kingdom with a Messiah who would be a great military leader like King David and overthrow the Romans. They wanted an earthly kingdom. But since Jesus was not that kind of king, since he did not come to be an earthly kingdom, or an earthly king, but a spiritual king, many of the Jews hated him and they rejected him. In fact, they rejected him and what he taught to the point of killing him. Now, I want to give you an example of Jesus. Jesus using a parable to teach something very important about the kingdom of God. I want you to go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at an example of this. Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, beginning with verse 24, we find Jesus telling the parable about the tares. The parable about the tares. We're going to have a lesson later this month on Matthew 13. But for now, let's just look at one example of Jesus using a parable to teach about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13. This is one that I won't be preaching about later this month. I'm going to teach you about it right now. Matthew 13, verse 24. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 13, 24. Jesus presented another parable. Another parable. This is after he tells the parable of the sower. We're going to study that in our next class. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. 
The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go up and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now as you let these verses kind of just soak into your mind for just a moment or two, let me suggest to you that when studying the parables of Jesus, listen carefully, when studying the parables of Jesus, it is important to notice carefully the various illustrations that the Lord is using to make his point. Pay close attention to the various illustrations, the examples he's using to teach a spiritual truth. Notice how the main illustration under consideration in this parable are tares. Tares. Someone says, what are tares? Well, my friend, tares are weeds, weeds that look like wheat. They're tares that look like wheat, but the grain is not edible. Jesus says that after the good man, and this is the good man here, the good man sowed wheat in his field, an enemy came, and he sowed tares in the good man's field. Both of the plants, both of the plants, the wheat and the tares, grew together side by side in the field until the time of harvest. And at the harvest, the tares were separated from the wheat and burned. And so you got a separation of the wheat from the tares. Once the time of harvest came, the wheat was able to stay, but the tares had to go. Now the disciples wanted to know what this parable meant. They heard Jesus tell it, but they didn't understand it. And like the parable of the sower, with this particular parable, Jesus not only tells it, but he explains the meaning. You don't have to guess what it means. You don't have to guess what different things represent because Jesus gives the answer very clearly. And I'm always going to go with what Jesus says. If Jesus says it, it's true. And so listen to what Jesus said about the meaning, the meaning of the parable. Verse 36. Verse 36, Matthew 13, Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. What does this parable mean? And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is, is the good man. He's the one sowing in the parable. And the field, the field is the world. It's the world, Jesus says. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. These are the children of God. These are disciples. These are people who faithfully serve God. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sold them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all the stumbling blocks, and all those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun, 
and the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let him hear. If you have ears, listen carefully to what Jesus says about the meaning of the parable. Notice how Jesus tells us exactly what everything represents in the story. Jesus says the field in the parable represents the world, not the church, but the world in this case. It's the world. And the good seed are God's children, disciples, Christians, those who serve God faithfully. The tares are Satan's children. These are the wicked people. These are the people who rebel against God, people who live lives of sin. The enemy who sowed the tares, that's the devil. The devil is the evil one. And the reapers are the angels. And Jesus is the good man. And Jesus says the end of the world, the end of the world I think is under consideration here. The angels of God will reap both the tares and the wheat. The wheat's going to be saved. The children of God will be saved, but the tares, they're going to be burned up. They're going to be thrown in hell where they will suffer everlasting punishment. That is the meaning of the parable of the tares. The parable of the tares is a parable about how wicked people and righteous people they live alongside one another in this world. But there's going to come a day in which they're going to be separated. This parable shows us how good people and evil people, they exist side by side in our present world. But at the end of the world, when Jesus comes back, they're going to be separated. The evil people will be lost. They will be separated from the righteous and the righteous will be saved. When Jesus comes back, no longer will the, the righteous and the wicked coexist together. He will separate the wheat from the tares at the end of the age, at the end of the world. The question is, which group or would you, are you going to be in? If the Lord came back five minutes after you finished watching this video, would you be with the wheat or would you be with the tares? You determine which group you will be in based on how you live your life. Based on whether or not you're being faithful to Jesus. Now, this is just one example of how Jesus used parables. You see that? This is one example of how Jesus used parables to teach about the rule of God. Often in the scripture, that language kingdom of God is a reference to the rule of God. Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. There when Jesus says kingdom of God, he's not talking about just the church. He's not saying seek first the church. He's saying seek first the rule of God. Often in the Bible, that language kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God represents rule of God, authority of God, lordship of God. And other times when that language kingdom of God is used, it's being used more specific to talk about the church. As Paul uses that way in Colossians 1 and verse 13 is say that as Christians, we have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. You got to study the context carefully to see exactly how the language kingdom of God is being used. But Jesus used parables to teach many truths 
about the kingdom of God. Now, the last thing I want to say, and then we're going to close the video. When we study the parables, before we start really diving into these parables, I think we need to ask, ask and answer a question, and that is, how do we study them properly? How can we properly study the parables of Jesus? Well, as we try to talk about this subject before we close, let me say that the first thing we need to do if we're going to properly study and interpret the parables of Jesus is we need to avoid two extremes. We need to avoid two extremes. First, first, we, do, we need to make sure that we don't try to make something out of every small detail given in the parables. That is a terrible way to study the parables. Don't study a parable and try to make something of every little thing. Let Jesus tell you what things mean. Let the context tell you what things mean. Don't try to make something of every little thing where you don't have concrete evidence that what you are assuming is true. And then secondly, don't assume there's only one lesson to, to learn from each parable. Many of these parables are designed to teach more than one lesson. It's like an onion. You got to pull back the layers. There are many layers, many lessons that can be found in the parable. Now, as we study the parables, please remember, and I know many of you who are watching this are great Bible students, and may God bless you, but as you study the parables, remember the rules. Remember the rules for good Bible study. Remember, study the context carefully. Ask yourselves questions while you study the parables. What's the setting? What's going on? What's the situation? Why is Jesus telling this? What's the context of the parable? Context, context, context. Make sure you study the context carefully. Ask questions like what do the characters represent? As we saw in the parable of the tares, the, the different things in the parable represented things. The tares represented something. The reapers represented something. The good man represented someone. Even the, the field represented someone. What do the things represent? Thankfully, Jesus tells us in that, in that parable what the different things represented. Sometimes we got to dig deep to find out. Other times, Jesus makes it very simple for us. The prodigal son parable. Clearly, in that parable, the father represents God. We see that by studying the context. The, the, the prodigal represents sinners. We can see that by studying the context. The older brother, who's really the main character in the story, he represents the Pharisees. And that's something, again, we learn when we study the context, when we study the first two verses of Luke 15. Always ask yourself, what do the characters and the symbols represent? And then the main question, what's the meaning of the parable? What does it mean? What application can I make from it that can help me in my life today? Sometimes Jesus will tell you exactly what the meaning of the parable is, and other times you got to dig deep. you got to pull back the layers. you got to go beneath the surface and really dig because Jesus is teaching something that requires deep thought, deep thought and understanding. And so those are just some basic things I wanted to share with you concerning parables. 
I want you to know that the parables are a lot richer than people, than a lot of folks give them credit for. The parables are not first principle things. They are, in many cases, very difficult to understand. They are rich. They are like an onion, so many layers. And the more I study them, the more I realize that. They are very, very deep and rich. And I'm excited about studying some of the parables with you. I'm excited about studying the teachings of Jesus as we try to really drive home our theme this year of experiencing the fullness of Christ. This coming Wednesday, Lord willing, we're going to begin our first parable. We're going to look at the parable of the sower. And I hope you'll join me for that because I think we can all find ourselves somewhere in that wonderful parable. God bless you.